the business savvy singer. Hey there. And welcome to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by theprivatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to season two of the Business Savvy Singer podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. Today, I am so excited I have with me a wonderful woman and a good friend and a talented singer. Her name is Margaret Murphy Webb. She is from Chicago. She is a a wonderful singer. She's the executive director of the Southside Jazz Coalition, uh, where she's doing wonderful things to keep jazz alive on the South Side of Chicago. Another very cool thing about Margaret is that she is a former Chicago police officer. So I want to welcome Margaret. Margaret, it's great to see you, great to hear you. I'm so glad that you're with us today. Welcome. Greta, I hate you because you're in this warm, sunny Florida. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so glad to see you, girl. You look like sunshine, you always do. Well, thank you, you do too. I am so excited to have you with us today. And I'm going to tell our listeners, we're actually recording this on Zoom. So Margaret and I are seeing each other, which is very nice. We haven't seen each other in a while. She is in Chicago, and I understand the winter's been kind of rough there this year. You know what? It's not as bad as it could be. You're from here, so you know how bad it can be. Oh, it can be bad. It can be very bad. It was not as bad as it could have been. Well, that's good. And spring is on the way. It's on the way. It's a beautiful day today. That's right. 60, 60 balmy degrees. Woo! Put on your... I have to teach a little later, but I'm going to walk my dogs later. Yeah, and you can you can put on your shorts and walk your dog. No, no. no, no. <laughs> Let's not get carried away, huh? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so tell me, how did you initially get involved with music? How did it come into your life? Well, my dad owned a record shop. Oh. And uh, I started spinning records at the record shop when I was about six or seven. Oh, my gosh. I had very eclectic taste, so I was able to listen to pretty much everything. That's great. And I became a Stevie Wonder, um, just, I was just a fanatic about anything Stevie Wonder. I remember that, um, the double album, Songs in the Key of Life, mm-hmm. was that the one? That was the one that just really, I loved that album so much. My father said, would you stop playing that? <laughs> That's how I started, in my daddy's record shop. And then, of course, at church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's black folk. That's where we 
we used to get our start. My sister and I had a little singing group, the the, the, the Murphy sisters. Oh. And, uh, with, yeah, girl. With matching dresses. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that's great. Old, yeah, I have to call her a reminder of those times. But that's how I got started. Wow, that's great. So then when did you decide you wanted this as a profession? You know, it was kind of decided for me. Uh, a musician, it's always a musician who drags you into insanity, <laughs> um, had a group, and he, his singer didn't make it. I must have been maybe 20, 21, 22. And he's like, Margaret, you've been at all the rehearsals. Just come and um, sit in at the rehearsal. And I guess I sounded good enough. He said, you know what, can you do the gig? So one of my first gigs, professional gigs, um, I believe it was at the Taste, at the Taste on 63rd and Low. Oh, my gosh. I did that gig, worst gig of my life. <laughs> Why was it the worst gig of your life? I had no idea what I was doing. You know, when you're a young singer, you know, you don't know when to start. You don't, as I teach my students, learn how to get in and learn how to get out. Yeah. So I didn't know how to get in and get out, but that's really, I think, when I really started. But the person that put me on to my uh, path was really Von Freeman. Oh, wow. When uh, Vince Willis, Vince Willis yeah. told me. Because I said, I really like jazz, and Vince was on a gig, and he said, you know what, you should go see Von Freeman. And I was 24. And as you can see, Von is on my wall. Yes. Um, Von Freeman kind of just took me and nurtured me and made me into how, what I am today. Wow. He taught, and it's more about lyrics. Don't, Margaret, don't sing what you don't like, because you're not going to give it the, um, the love. Yeah. So it's not just about that. It's about how you conduct yourself on stage. And Brenda, mm -hmm. you've seen how I act on stage. Mm -hmm. So I talk to the audience and I make jokes. And, and yet I have to remember, too, that he's from another era. Yeah. He was from another era of entertainment. And people, you don't see entertainment like that anymore. The Miltroneers and the Von Freemans, yeah. they, you know, they're gone. Yeah. But um, that's how I got started. That's what made me into a jazz singer. Yeah, yeah. I remember Miltroneer and Von Freeman. Um, Von Freeman was at the apartment. Wasn't that the, the, yeah, yeah that was the, the, uh, room that he, uh, did it every Monday night or Tuesday night or every Tuesday. At the, at the, at first it was at the, the, the Matador, which is the 50. Then he went to the, um, goodness, the Enterprise. And that's where I saw him. Mm -hmm. And then he the new apartment. Wonderful. And, um, that's what I really, I was too afraid to sing because these amazing singers, Donna Swole and Betty Boo Reynolds, and um, oh my goodness, I'm not gonna be able to think of her name. I see her in my head right now, who was just amazing, one of wow. the most amazing singers I've ever heard. But just these singers would come up and sing, and I'm like, I'm not getting up there. <laughs> Kurt Elling oh, yeah. was a faithful apostle of Bonds. He was at all the jam sessions, and he was sitting at the feet of Luba Rashid. That's where he learned his craft, and Luba died early and didn't get the recognition that he that he should have gotten. But Kurt Elling learned everything he knows, knows from Luba Rashi. Wow, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. You know, that's you know, it's like passing the torch, passing the baton from one generation to the next. And that's what keeps jazz alive. It's what keeps all music alive, but particularly jazz, because it usually is not written down. No. You know, it is it is a, a an oral thing. Now there's a very loud noise happening here. This is my gardener blowing stuff in my yard. 
I don't know it if you can see. So that is what all that, you know, I tell you, it's, it's very funny. Sometimes I actually record these interviews outside and there's always some sound. So hopefully our I listeners can, will just disregard. I can, hear him. I can just see him walking back. And oh, forth. good. Okay. Well, I'm glad you can't hear him. I'm glad you can't. So, um, so tell us how you came to the idea of creating this Southside Jazz Coalition? Well, because um, Bond got pretty sick, very sick. And I was sitting with him one night at the new apartment, and he said, baby, <laughs> no, Oski not gonna be able to do this much longer, and I, I'm, on count, I'm counting on you, I'm counting on you. And I said, okay. So he, he passed away, and um, in my grief, I just, like, I'm not going to, I can't do, you know, I'm not going to try to do what Bond did. Mm -hmm. And Anderson Edwards called me maybe a year after Bond died and said, now, Margaret, you know, we are Bond's children, and this is what we need to do. So mm -hmm. we started a Tuesday night jam at the 50-yard line, and we did that for three years. Mm -hmm. Sadly, um, I had to stop because of some, some miscommunication with the owner. Mm -hmm. And um, I was sitting at home one day, and I said, you know what? I'm going to start a not-for-profit and do free jazz pro programming. So I called Charles Heath, mm -hmm. and I called Darius Lawrence, and we went to breakfast, and I explained to them what I wanted to do. And Charles Heath was wonderful. Charles Heath helped me with my logo. Charles wow. helped me put the logo together. But then about a month later, he said, I'm so busy, I'm not going to be able to give this what it needs. Mm -hmm. So he exited out. Darius Lawrence, same thing, exited out, and it was just me, and I just decided that I'm going to do the best I can with this. So for six years now, we have been doing free programming on the South Side. That's um, wonderful. Last, last year, we did 35 outdoor programs because of COVID. Wow. When COVID hit, we were doing the um, once a month at St. Columbanus, mm -hmm. a jam session and a featured artist. And um, I didn't have any grant money, anything for the first three years. So pretty much everything was out of pocket and mm -hmm. donations, but we were able to keep going. That's great. So now, um, I shouldn't say it like this, but it's the truth. Thanks to George Floyd, money has been coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's on this equity and diversity thing now. Yes. And they're looking at even how grants are written mm -hmm. that are written for small nonprofits of buy for BIPOC people. It's just not done. And now, with all these people starting to look at the way things are going, there's more money coming in. So I'm, I'm probably going to be able to do more programs. That is so, so wonderful. I mean, it's, it's such a, an important contribution to the Southside community. A lot of times, people cannot afford to go and see entertainment. So for them to be able to come out to St. Columbanus or wherever you're doing your, your shows and, and seeing good artists and just having a good time, that's a and fabulous a thing. St. Columbanus, now they call it the Ravinia of the South Side. <laughs> it has just grown. It's constantly growing. It's like a, a mold. It is taking over. Um, the last one we had was in September of last year. There were 400 people there. Wow. People had lunch boxes. One lady had a portable toilet. Oh, my. But, yeah, I said, okay, that's a little much. <laughs> But um, the food trucks are out there, and it's just it's just a place where people can get together because especially after COVID, 
everybody was so isolated and everyone was so scared, but we had those moments once a month where we could come out and get on the grass and everybody would see each other. It's, I love uh, Jazzing on the Steps. I love all the programs, but Jazzing on the Steps is definitely my favorite. That is and so. Father uh, Matt O'Donnell, have to call out to him, who is the uh, priest for that parish in St. Moses the Black now. Um, it's three parishes together, three churches together. But he called me and said, Margaret, we're doing Jazzing on the Steps, right? So, you know, shout out, shout out to him for just trying to keep it going for his community. Yeah, that's absolutely wonderful. It's You're making such a wonderful contribution. It's it's just great. People love it. I mean, I hear wonderful comments all the time from people. You know, we're going to jazz and on the stage. Don't tell me that. No, I, there is no bad stuff. People love it. People love it. So tell well, we'll me. start back for Sunday in May. We will Fourth be out Sunday. there. Okay. Well, fourth Sunday of May for those folks in Chicago who want to hear some good jazz. I mean, this is really good jazz that you would ordinarily pay lots of money to see. Yes. And you're offering it for free for the community. For free. It's fabulous. Free, free 99. Free 99 is the way to go. <laughs> free 99. I love it. I love it. That's great. So talk to us a little bit about your wonderful husband, the great Chuck Webb. Tell us a little about him. Well, Chuck right now is in the basement. He is doing Terrence Blanchard's uh, Fire in My Soul. Oh, yeah. The, at the Lyric. And um, he's down there fighting with the music. <laughs> oh, Greg, you should see that music. But he's <laughs> oh, telling me it. that it's going to be probably the most spectacular thing that he's done this year. He said wow. it's absolutely full orchestra with a jazz uh, band and African-American singers singing opera in English. So um, it starts, I think, next week. So I'm going to go to the dress rehearsal. No preaching, but the dress rehearsal to check it out. So that's what he's doing now. And he's at Teatro Zinzani, which okay. is theater and circus. So when you come home, you have to go. It's really, really Absolutely. So that's, that's his regular gig. One of the theater in Chicago gigs. Yeah. Um, Margaret's husband, for our listeners, Margaret's husband is a bass player and a wonderful bass player. And I remember seeing you at the dress rehearsal for Jesus Christ Superstar at the Lyric. I remember that. And, and Chuck was in the, in the band and, uh, you know, in the orchestra. And it was just, it was a fantastic production. Absolutely. Well, you know, we were talking about how black musicians don't tend, tend not to get involved in theater. So the Southside Jazz Coalition, along with the city, we're going to do a seminar this summer at Chicago State, and we're going to bring in theater musicians, and they're going to do just a, a whole production and show musicians. We're going to invite student musicians, professionals, because people ask me all the time, how does Chuck get these gigs? Mm -hmm. And we're going to show them how you get these gigs. Mm -hmm. You know, there's you have to do. You have to be able to read. I mean, you have to be on time. You have to have a certain mindset because when you know, Greta, when you get those notes, you can't say anything. You got to take that note and go work on your music. That's right. So we're going we're to have a four-hour seminar this summer and try to get, this is another equity and diversity of music. Mm -hmm. um, because the, to be honest, in Chicago, the, the theater is populated by old white men. Mm -hmm. So they want to bring in women. They want to bring in people of color. And we're going to do what we can to try to let people see there is another stream of income in music that will sustain you, that you can be a professional musician. You can still gig, because Chuck still gigs, but he does do theater in Chicago. He's got a pension coming in. There is a way. 
you can work in the city and still do the work that you like to do. That's absolutely right. You know, and that, and that is something that, that I also teach in my programming, in my private music studio. There is a way, but you gotta be prepared. You've got to learn to read the music. You have to get out and network. You have to understand the, the community around you and the business around you. Yeah. That is really, well, really important. Doug told me a great story when he, his first show, I think was Jersey Boys, his first real show. And that ran for three years. And he was late the second day of rehearsal. And he said he walked in and the conductor was telling everybody, you know, let's get it together. And Chuck walked in the door and he said, the guy just turned and looked at him and said, this won't happen again. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it didn't. And it didn't. Yep. It didn't. You'll yeah. leave an hour early just to, you know, traffic. You have to you have to take all those things, especially living in Chicago, take everything into account. Yes. You never know what's going to happen. That's right. So we're going to teach that in the seminar. And Greta, I'm going to talk to some singers. I'm going to have a vocalist come in, a Broadway and Chicago vocalist, mm -hmm. African-American. And I'm going to talk to these young vocalists because there's a different type of mindset among young vocalists now. Yes. They don't have that work ethic that we had. Yeah. That whatever somebody tells you to do and they tell you how to dress, uh, when they tell you what they want you to sing for the gig, you know, I did you, I know you did some jobbing too, did you? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you yeah. a jobbing singer. Yeah. It's a job. Yeah, it's, it's a, a job. job. Yeah, and you do what what the person is asking for. Because if yeah. it were your gig, you would want your people that you're hiring to do what you're asking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I talked to a, a gentleman who I worked for, um, I worked for the associates for about five years as a jobber. Okay. And it, it interfered with my job, so I had to stop. But I was talking to him last week, and he was telling me, I can't use young singers. Mm -hmm. They're late. Mm -hmm. They're not dressed appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they don't come out to the jam sessions like we did. And, mm -hmm. and they don't talk to the older singers like we did. Yeah. We got to learn the ethics That's of the right. job. It, it's great that you got a great voice and you can holler like Aretha or you can... <laughs> You can bounce like Beyonce, but there's so much more to it than that because you can go to any church on the corner and find somebody that can out sing you. That's right. That's so right. I sing it all the time. I said, just walk down 63rd Street and stop in front of the <laughs> church. You're going to hear somebody in there. You're going to be like, oh my God. Yep. You have to have much more than a voice to make it in this business. That's right. That's right. Because it's so much easier to work with someone who is easy to work with. And, and those people will be chosen over yep. the people who may be more talented. You know, yep. nobody needs a headache. You know, it's like if you can find someone that's going to do what you'd like them to do and be on time and do all of the right things, why not work with them? So, not? and I have a no fly list now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I have a list since I've been booking all these gigs. There are people that I'm just, and these are talented, yep. talented people. Uh, one sister, I'm not going to say her name, she was on The Voice. Mm -hmm. Cannot use her, cannot, mm -hmm. can't come to rehearsals. Yeah. will return calls, will not return any texts. Yeah. Young lady can beautiful girl, but, you know, it's not worth it when I can call That's someone right. else. I'm so glad to get the gig. Miss, Miss Margaret, what do you need me to mm -hmm. do? So It makes your life easier. Yep, that's right. That's, that's right. what I can say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. What else I've done, I, I used to not say anything. I just would stop calling them. But when I fired her for this gig that's coming up that's paying pretty good, I did call her and talk to her, and I told her why I was letting her go. And I sent a follow-up email. Mm -hmm. I said, I just want to let you know, this is what you did and did not do. 
And you have to stop doing this mm -hmm. because otherwise people will not hire you. You will be at home with this gorgeous voice and this beautiful resume. I sang on the voice and I traveled, but nobody's going to be bothered with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have to start not stop, stop being afraid of the millennials. <laughs> yeah, and it's important to tell them. I think it's wonderful that you told her what the problem was rather than just saying, I'm not, or, you know, just not calling her or saying, I'm not using you anymore or whatever, but help her to get better, help her to be yeah. better, understand what it takes to be better. Yeah, and she, when, she, when she, said, she sent me an email saying, I see what you're saying, I appreciate you telling me, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna work on it, so. That's wonderful, hopefully. yeah. That's wonderful. So you've, you've made a difference there. It's wonderful. You're making a difference all over. I hope so, girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So what other things do you have coming up this summer or the fall or spring or whatever? Oh, my goodness. Well, I've got um, Nights Out in the Park in August. Navy Pier is now my partner, so they're doing a watercolors festival. So they gave us a night. So I've got a couple of bands playing there in wonderful. August. Wonderful. Um, me, on my... Um, myself as a singer, I'm the vocalist for Circle Rivera. Ah. Oh, wonderful. I've got eight performances with them doing a tour in New York. Oh, that's nice. Been out of town on, with somebody, on somebody else's dime. <laughs> <laughs> doing that. And I have a Cleo Lane CD that I have, with, there are no CDs anymore. Yeah, I'm trying to do a Cleo Lane recording that um, for the last two years, but I'm going to get that done this year. Good, good. I love Cleo Lane. I learned about Cleo Lane at my dad's shop. Yeah. And I did research, and I said, this woman was amazing. Yeah. And she did a lot of work here, Carnegie Hall here twice. Mm -hmm. um, she worked with Duke Ellington and Count Basie. She recorded with them. I mean, she just was an amazing, amazing singer. And still alive. I think she's in her 90s yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to do some of her music that she wrote and recorded with her husband. So that, that is, should not be for the end of the year. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And be sure that you reach out to her. Uh, and you know what? That's what I said. I got to do it before she dies. Yeah. So she that that somebody is really somebody appreciates what she's done. And yes, I am going to reach yeah. out. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, it sounds very exciting, Margaret. Again, I want to thank you for being with us. I'm so happy for you and proud of you. And I love you for all the things that you are doing to help. Do you really? If you got more to say, let, uh, we'd love to hear it. <laughs> no, girl, no, we gotta go. I got to go teach. And I know you are the busiest woman in show business. <laughs> And that beautiful girl, I'm looking at the beautiful piano and oh, thank the, you. Oh, this lovely grass. Thank you, thank you. We have uh, been having a great time here in Florida. It's been oh, so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to come down and visit. And girl, I'll never leave. Me and the dogs, when I bring my two dogs. Well, we have a dog, so they could play together. Oh, mm -mm. Chicago dogs. Mm -mm. Oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us today. You take care. Tell Chuck hello. And I look forward to seeing you this summer. All right, Greta. Thank you. Love you, baby. Love you too. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network 
of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berkeley College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer Podcast is brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.